He's a creator, an innovator. His passion is why we listen. His knowledge is why we want to be educated. He really has spent his life focusing on people that make excuses. With a man who has turned around over 800 bars throughout the world, Bar Rescue's John Taffer. If you do tomorrow what you did today, you will get tomorrow what you got today. Here we go. You ready, Corey? I'm ready. Here we go. Number 75. I'm John Taffer. This is my No Excuses podcast. And man, there's a lot of shit going down this week. Yeah, there's. So, so, so it's interesting how many people have opinions on stuff they know nothing about. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, I was reading television ratings, and you guys will find this interesting. 30 million people watched the Trump inauguration. Oh. Pretty powerful, yeah. right? About 20 million, actually 19 million, watched uh, Justice Kavanaugh's nomination, or when they beat the hell out of him, the boy, I forget what even called the uh, 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 process. Only about 13 million have watched the impeachment process. So it's interesting. So it got less than half the ratings of the inauguration. And it's interesting how so few people are watching it statistically, but so many people are talking about it. And, you know, you wonder uh, uh, where people get their information and, and are they getting it from the right sources. But, man, there's so much going on in media that, that I think all that's disappeared. So, for example, uh, I think the Disney Plus launch was over the top. I mean, the marketing, so they got 10 million subscribers. Think about this, 10 million subscribers uh, uh, right out of the gate a and uh, had some technical issues, and some are calling it Disney Minus. I don't think the 10 million people that signed up for it are thinking it's Disney Minus, but yeah. that was going on this week. That was pretty heavy shit. And then, you know, a lot of people don't know this. At Universal Studios, and I know because I, I used to consult to them many years ago, at Universal Studios, the company had no children's characters. So Universal had no Mickey Mouse, no Donald Duck, n none of those characters. All children's characters were typically owned by Warner Brothers or Disney back in those years. So when Universal Studios wanted to build the theme park, all they had in like the children's genre was Woody Woodpecker. Fact is, Universal Studios' background was a monster house. They made horror films. So when Universal Studios built... Uh, a theme park that had to get children's characters. So they signed a contract with Nickelodeon. And Nickelodeon gave them all the characters and all the children's products that they need to create a theme park that targeted children. Well, it's happening again. Netflix now <clears throat> just signed a deal with Nickelodeon to announce a deal uh, uh, to sort of offset the impact of Disney+. Plus. Man, this shit is ugly. This competition and and you know the uh, it reminds me of of uh, when I was younger and starting out. <laughs> I used to have a bar. I won't tell, tell exactly where outside of Chicago. And this is a story many many years ago. I don't think I've ever told this story. I owned a bar outside of Chicago, and I had emptied another bar when I opened. And the bar that I had emptied got a couple of miners to sneak into my bar and somehow called the control board and they came in and I had some miners in my bar who got in with fake ID or they wouldn't have made it through the door but had disposed of the ID somehow. So the uh, police come in, they, they, they uh, check the facility, music stop, lights comes up. They find that there's two miners in my club. So, so uh, uh, I lost my liquor license for two days over that. 
So when we came back, we created flyers for him, for his club, that advertised 25-cent drinks on Friday night. <laughs> and and we, we blasted those flyers all over the uh, then the suburban areas of Chicago where these clubs were. And that was, you know, an example of back then what competitive wars were. You know, when, when you empty somebody else's business, man, that's heavy-duty stuff. And the idiot sits by and lets that happen. So Netflix senses a threat, and no different than you with with a, a, a um, local store feels a threat. You have to act, and they didn't have the assets to act, so they formed a partnership with Netflix. Now they're going to uh, uh, obviously try to offset some of the family targeting and uh, um, youthful targeting of Disney. Pretty smart move. So Netflix, I believe right now, is the largest media company in the world. Think about that. It just started. And it just started with a bunch of servers. Okay, so we all like marshmallows, right? We all like uh, roasted marshmallows. Corey, you go to, like, roast marshmallows when you go out and camping and stuff? Oh, yeah, s'mores, all that. You see what? Yeah, me too, man. I love that stuff. So Marshmallow, the DJ, is involved in a company called Stuffed Puffs. And they create chocolate-filled marshmallows, and they're engineering these marshmallows so that when you put it over the file core of the fire, the marshmallow gets crisp like it should, and the chocolate gets liquidy. So you almost have a a, a um, s'mores without the graham cracker, if you will, built into it. So these guys are so confident they're building a hundred and fifty thousand square foot of warehouse, uh, warehouse and production facility in Lehigh Valley. I mean, 150,000 square feet. You know how many freaking marshmallows you're going to make in that space? So when you hear something like that and you think of the magnitude of the investment for a new idea, hats off to them. I hope it works. But building a factory of that size can be quite a burden. So the official Oreo dunking kit came back. Can you freaking believe this? $20, Corey. For this thing. Jesus. Just to so, dunk your Oreo? So what it is, yes. Yeah, so it's got a special tongue that the the mouth of it is the shape to, uh, perfectly to hold one Oreo. And that tongue then dips your uh, Oreo into your milk. And then it has this attachment. It almost reminds me of the old drink holders that used to snap into the door of a car. And it snaps onto the side of your cup or your glass with your milk in it. And it holds a stack of Oreos. So... You've got your little tongs. You've got your little plastic device to dispense and hold your Oreos next to your milk. All you need is a cup of milk, man, and you're good to go. So these two pieces of plastic, which I can't believe collectively cost more than 30 cents to produce, are selling for $20. Man, only in America. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That's crazy. $20. And they'll probably sell millions of them. Yep. But, you know, online shopping is... is, uh, over the freaking top. So it's going to hit $144 billion to $149 billion during just the holiday period. Do you remember just a few years ago when people said, man, I just don't know if all this online stuff's going to work. Eh, people aren't going to buy clothes online. People aren't going to buy music online. People, I remember people saying all that stuff. Think how things change now. Think about the fact that McDonald's will sell over, over a million hamburgers tonight after 10 o'clock all by delivery about the fact that people have Taco Bell delivered. I mean, you, you pay more to deliver the dollar taco than the dollar taco cost. I mean, so shifts and patterns are changing. People are getting into the use and convenience of their phone. We don't even check prices of things anymore. We push the most convenient button on our phone. That's where we go, and that's what we buy. It's, it's an amazing premise, 
how technology leads marketing, whereas it used to be marketing-led technology. Think about it. Core, years ago, if you wanted to buy something, you'd identify the brand, and then you'd go buy it. Right. Today, you just go to a website. While you're on that website, you snoop a bunch of stuff and then pick the brand. So it's a very different style of marketing. It's what I would call utilitarian marketing because you're going to a process. So I might say to myself, you know, I, I, I want to buy some new headphones. So I'll go to Amazon, one click on my phone, right? Logged right in, type headphones in the line and within a second. I'm looking at all of these headphones. So the premise is that it's utilitarian. I didn't pick a brand until I started to shop. Years ago, brand led those choices. We also see it in a bar business big time. Think of brands like Tangeray, brands like uh, um, Seagram 7 just came back out. When you look at brands like Tangeray is a good example. These are brands that every bar has. you got to have one, but it doesn't sell through. There's no relevancy to it. So relevancy today is so created electronically. And when we look at people like uh, uh, Gary Vee, uh, even Grant Cardone, who are, who are both friends, and many, many people who have built their entire brand, Tipsy Bartender, who was on our show just a few weeks ago, have literally built their brand electronically. And then they created products later. It's an exact reverse uh, of how business used to be. Today, it's all about audience. So uh, internet sales are going to be $149 billion just during the holidays. Think of how many of those dollars came out of malls that are not going to be spent in malls, that aren't going to have you know gasoline driving to, driving front traffic. So it, it's uh, pretty powerful. The last decade has transformed how we live and the change of how we shop. And man, it's just going to continue to change. Next, Corey you won't even really have to go look for something. It'll start to find you. And that's oh, the it, next level of artificial intelligence, I right? I feel like it already has. Anytime I go on Instagram, I'm like, oh, I need that. I didn't even know I needed it, but I need it. Yeah, because they're, they're profiling your personality type and your acquisition habits, right? And they're, they're tracking where you land, the things that interest you. And it's pretty quickly easy for me if I really watch your page uh, through artificial intelligence to start to determine what you like to do. Wow, yeah. Right? So, you know, I know that you like the four-wheel. I know you like to go out in the desert. I know this. I know. So, you know, we start to send you and package you into a category of a buyer who buys certain types of things, all through artificial intelligence. Crazy. Then you suddenly find those things following you around. Now, a year or two ago, you had to pick that thing. So if you looked at something online, and you didn't buy it, it followed you around. Today, you don't even have to look for it, and it follows you around. You know, the intuitive marketing ability of artificial intelligence is powerful. But all artificial intelligence is, and we've talked a lot about it on this show over the past year and a half or so, all artificial intelligence really is is accessing a huge database. So for a computer to have artificial intelligence, it must have the ability to, to access data to make a decision. So if Corey and I and 10 other people created a database for artificial intelligence, it would only have 10 opinions. It would only have 10 actions in it. It would not be very accurate for most of society. But if the database that that artificial intelligence uses, in fact, is using artificial intelligence and tracking data of, let's say, 100 million people, 200 million people, well, then 
behavior patterns emerge. And those behavior patterns, you know, become for millions and millions of people. And the computer simply accesses those data points, the commonality of behavior, the general consensus, the general reaction that happens over hundreds of millions of data points or people within those data points. So when you think about it, Corey, if, if you didn't do those things and I didn't do those things, we're all feeding that database. Yeah. And it's the power of that database that'll make artificial intelligence work. I'm not saying we shouldn't feed the database. You know, in many ways, artificial intelligence makes our lives a lot easier. But it is a little scary sometimes when you think about how much they do follow us. Do you think about that when you're online, Corey? Oh, yeah. It, it, it creeps me out sometimes that I feel like I'm having a conversation and then I go on my phone and that, and then that, an ad for whatever I was talking about just pops up. Yeah. Do you find that you don't go to certain websites or don't do certain things out of concern of it, or you you t you generally think about it, then blow it off and do what you're going to do anyway? Personally, I don't click on the ads just because I know, like, once you get, go down that rabbit hole, it, it's never ending. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, sometimes it's kind of cool because I've actually I've fallen into it a few times. I think we all have. Yeah, where it's actually leading us to something we actually want to do. Yeah. But anyway, it's unbelievable. So obviously, mobile. Uh, uh, e-commerce in North America grew 16% uh, to over $500 billion in America now. Wow. And it accounts for 15% of all special realty sa uh, uh, retail sales. In China, e-commerce is 23% of retail and influences nearly 60% of all sales. It's unbelievable the, how quickly this has all happened. And the largest 18 e-commerce marketplaces, the 18 biggest ones, account for more than a trillion in global sales. And B2B commerce sales, which are not consumer, just business to business, are expected to reach 6.6 .6 trillion next year. <laughs> and then it's unbelievable how the, you know, the power of exclusivity. <clears throat> you know, it used to be in, in restaurants and bars, you know, you'd walk in the maitre d' or whoever would make a big deal out of you, Corey. And in the older nightclub days, they'd pull you offline and bring somebody in. Somebody else would stand on that line for freaking hours. And they made you feel exclusive. And exclusivity, you know, you come to Vegas, you buy a bottle of vodka, that bottle costs you $2,000, $1,500. You're buying an $80 bottle of vodka for $1,500. Why would you do that? Well, because it's exclusive. It comes out and you get a special setup at your table and it comes out with sparklers and lights and they make a big deal out of it. Everybody knows you just dropped $1,500 on an $80 bottle and suddenly, <laughs> Corey, you are like an exclusive freaking dude. Yeah, like I guess. And your table is exclusive and you're in an exclusive place and everything becomes exclusive. Well, I've always felt over the past few years that inclusive start, exclusive started to become inclusive. And that people really started to push back on the depth of ego of things like that. But, you know, when you take a look at what's going on online now, there's this whole premise of products with limited edition, right, or exclusively invited yeah. only to buy it. And you get out of get on a waiting list. And you, So it's unbelievable. If, if people feel exclusive, if they feel they can do something that somebody else didn't do, man, you get their money so quickly. Look at this freaking chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah. That's going on. I mean, people are, why? Just so everybody can post or tweet, or, hey, man, I got to try one of those chicken sandwiches. Wow, wow. So everything today, I think, has a basis in exclusivity and relevancy. And those of us who are irrelevant and feel irrelevant, you know, don't have the premise to grow in our lives as people who do feel that they've claimed relevancy. And relevancy can be real 
or it can be surmised. It could be complete bullshit on a Facebook page, which we've all seen. So how about this one? Corey, uh, somebody is selling a lock called a level lock. Okay. It's a digital lock. You put it on your front door, and your door is now locked, except when Walmart wants to deliver groceries, they can get in the front door of your house through this digital lock, and they can load your refrigerator for you. No key needed. Nope. So what do you think about that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'll just go to the store and get my groceries. <laughs> so people that own Teslas, their cars have been hacked, for Christ's sakes. Right. I can't imagine putting this lock on my door and allowing Walmart to deliver groceries. Now, they might have a video camera on their head. They're obviously bonded, and they know who they are. And mm-hmm. But think about how messy that can get yeah. if one employee screws this up. Which they will. There's always one. At some point, I think right. they will. Anyway, so I can't imagine that. It sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah, I mean. Years ago, when we used to have bars, we'd have, uh, you know, the big walk-in coolers, and we'd have a door on the outside and a door on the inside. And often in the bar business, we'd get deliveries at 8 in the morning, produce, stuff like that. And uh, we don't want our managers to come in at 8 in the morning to do that stuff. So we we would put in a second door. And a delivery guy would have access, and so he could come in and drop the groceries, the cold food items, in that outdoor door of the walk-in. Uh, that was pretty cool. But I must say, we tended to always get the worst case uh, of lettuce. You know, the guy who was standing there watching what was coming in always did much better. Yeah, that's true. So what do you think about this Kanye West thing? What is it? I, I don't, I'm not familiar. So he vows to move Yeezy Manufacturing to the Americas. Oh, okay. So he's really, he's trying to move uh, 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 his product back to America. And he claims he's running for president in 2024. I saw that coming. (laughs) He recited color psychology to his wife, Kim Kardashian West, as she sat in a morning bath on Thursday. He was fired at 16 for shoplifting at the Gap where he worked. But now with Kim in tow, he let loose. And and now he's uh, uh, doing this appearance before a crowd of about 500 at a Fast Company's Innovation Festival. So it's interesting, you know, suddenly he's uh, uh, suddenly found God, right? He's suddenly found his conservative roots. He's suddenly found a desire uh, 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 to move his factory. And I think all of it at the end of the day is all he wants is relevancy too. So when you think about it, think of these celebrities who do these things. Remember when Kim Kardashian's jewelry was stolen? Mm-hmm, yeah. And nobody ever knows to this day if that jewelry was actually stolen. Mm. You do know. Well, I mean, I, I think it was a big publicity stunt, but I think we all, I think most of us believe that. Yeah. But we can't factually state that. The point is this it made her damn relevant for a couple right. weeks, didn't it? And then you think about Kanye when he does these types of things, makes the statements that he does, you know, goes to the White House, et cetera. Suddenly he's relevant. And you think about all of these people who are fighting for relevancy in Hollywood. You know, they fight for it. A show gets canceled. What do you do now, man? And I get that. You know, imagine that you're somebody and, and you know, you're, you're, you're a big deal. You're making a lot of money. You got a hit show. You're, you're a, a, a relevant. Suddenly the show gets canceled. Suddenly your phone isn't ringing. Suddenly people don't recognize you anymore. Suddenly you're just not relevant to the level that you used to be. That's a freaking bummer. So when Kanye apparently feels that way, my guess is... His um not relevant button fires, mm-hmm. and he goes and he does something that gets himself in the paper. Good for him that he can pull that off. Have you tried the non-meat uh, burger? I have, actually, yeah. What do you think? 
Um, I mean, it's not bad. It's, I mean, it's not a meat burger, so. What's interesting about them, and I was on Fox Business talking about this a few weeks ago, is that the, the uh, uh, Impossible Burger has more saturated fat and more sodium than a beef patty. Huh. I feel like it's a, it's like a diet version of food. Like it's a Diet Coke version of uh, a regular burger, if that makes sense. Well, I could see where you'd feel that way. But the interesting thing is it does have the same amount of saturated fat and sodium, which are the two things you wouldn't want, right? You think, okay, if I'm going to throw away the beef and I'm going to go to something that, that that's artificial beef, you'd want it to have less saturated fat, right? You'd want it to have less salt. It doesn't. And that's what's interesting. But 90% of the people eating these things are not vegetarian or vegan. Wow. Actually, I believe that, actually, because, I mean, I'm not. No, I, I, I tried it. Yeah, so I think that you know, a company like this and, and Beyond Meat went public, and, and, you know, their share values have, have driven hugely from 118 or $192 million this year. So this is a really successful company. And you can't drive that kind of value selling just to vegetarians and vegans. It's a smaller part of the marketplace. So the whole magic to a product like this is getting us all to eat it. Relevancy. Relevancy. And then, of course, the, the, there's a whole political movement on the fact that we, shouldn't eat, that we shouldn't eat as much beef as we do because of cow flatulence. So a lot of the reason why these products exist is because many of the people who are supportive of climate change trends or just you know environmentally conscious you know talk about the 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 environment uh, environmental damage that cows do and when i would go to new zealand they have a a flatulence tax in new zealand Corey, based upon the amount of tonnage of your cows you pay a tax for their farts what? Because they're pollutants. Yeah, that makes sense. So the point is that, that, that you know, in theory, uh, uh, this would be better for the environment if we ate plant-based things. Now, I've read another study that says the exact opposite, that uh, uh, products like this take up far more acreage to grow uh, and produce than a cow would. So I'm not certain what the political correctness is on this, but uh, uh, be careful. Because some of these have coconut oils in them that provide juiciness, which is, you know, tropical oils are not good for you. And some of them are better than others. So just because it's it's a non-meat alternative doesn't mean you should jump all over it. Do some homework. Uh, it isn't always <laughs> what it appears. So did you see this doggy with the tail? I did, um, yeah. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. I wonder if it wags. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure it does. So, so, so they never answered that question. Those of you who haven't seen it, just uh, uh, Google or, or, or search unicorn puppy. you got to see this. It's a, the cutest little puppy, and he has a second tail sort of coming out just above his two eyes. Otherwise, he's a beautiful, you know, perfect little puppy, but he's got a tail. And the doctor, they took him to the doctor, of course. And the doctor said, well, he's fine. There's really no reason to remove the tail. So this little guy's got a little tail between his eyes. It's <laughs> sitting on the snoot. It's really adorable. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm all for it. Why put the little guy through surgery and stuff if you don't have to? You know, my dog who passed away a couple weeks ago, Winston, and I've talked about him before on the show. We cut his ears when he was a little baby. And it always, after I did it, Corey, it always bothered the shit out of me, man. That, oh, really? How could I have done that to him? And they laser cut his ears. And, you know, for the couple of days that he was recovering from that, man, was I guilty. You know, I felt terrible about that. So why cut this little guy's tail off if you don't need to? Right. Did you see the all the buzz about the new Motorola Razor? I did, yeah. 
Looks pretty cool. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. You know, but at the end of the day, it's just a uh, it's just a phone. It opens up. It's got one of those folding screens on it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. People don't buy new computers like they used to. You know, they use computers for a couple of years. But, man, they buy phones like crazy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to have the new phone, which is remarkable to me. Well, there's some pretty good actual national days I'm going to mention real quickly. You like cashews because it's National Cashew Day this week. Not a bad one. National Play With Dad Day. But I got to tell you, in, consistent with all of the uh, trends in America, on, f- on November 29th, it's Electronic Greetings Day. Huh. But Thanksgiving's coming up. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, getting a little cabin, or actually going up to the family's cabin. Uh, we're going to do some Thanksgiving, you know, playing in the snow. Hopefully it snows, but uh, but yeah, that's about it. That's one of the great things about Nevada, about this part of the country. You can drive to snow pretty quickly here. Yeah. So, you know, within about four hours of Las Vegas, you have Mexico, mountains with snow, lakes, the ocean. Mm-hmm. A lot of options, depending upon if you go northwest, east, or south, isn't it? Yeah, snowboarding, you got everything. Yeah. You know, I was thinking to myself, you know, what are, what am I really most thankful for? And you think about holidays like this and we blow them off. But, you know, this is a great moment of self-reflection when we think about it. You know, what are the things that you're truly thankful for? And if you've really thought about the things that you're truly thankful for, then you just identified the things that are most important in your life. And if you just identified the things that are most important to your life, maybe you would create an awareness about how you could get more out of those things to make your life even richer. And it's sad to think, Corey, how many people put so much effort and energy into the things that they're not most thankful for. And if you're most thankful for family, then put some more effort into that even. Not that you're not putting enough, but put more into it and get more out of family. And if your passion and what you're most thankful for is something that you've written or something that you've created, then embrace that more and get more thankfulness out of it. And I think that the, the reflectivity of this time of Thanksgiving is, is often thought of, you know, what do I want to give gratitude to? Well, sure, I want to give gratitude to my family, the food on my table, and all those traditional things, Corey. But at the end of the day, what are the things that mean the most? What are the things you're most thankful for? And you know what? People say, ah, family. No, we got to be more specific than that. What is it? Is it the way family makes you feel? Is it the success that business gets you? Is it the relevancy that you get like a Kanye (laughs) when you go out and do things at the public views? What is really the most thankful part of your lives? And if, in fact, those are the things that are the most thankful part of your lives, then fuck, man, why not? dive into those things with a greater passion. You know, I was talking to a friend last week and uh, uh, hadn't spoken to her in a while. And she, you know, she was telling me she has a new boyfriend. I said, well, how's it going? She goes, well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure he's right. I said, oh, then again, you know, he might be the one. Yeah, I said, yeah, so, so, so I said to her, so have you dove in all the way? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, if you don't dive in all the way, you're not going to be sure. So, you know, it's just an example of understanding, you know, what we really should be thankful for and what is the core of that? Why are we thankful for it? Is it the way we make us feel? You know, is it, is it, is it the opportunity it provides us for, for something that makes our lives better day to day? What is it that you're truly thankful for? 
You know, when I think about it, you know, certainly family and those kinds of things, of course, are the first thing that land. My daughter, my wife, Nicole, all those things are the first landing places, as they should be. But, you know, I think about certain things that, that you know, provide a, a, a far greater meaning to me day to day uh, uh, other than those things. And that's what makes life great. So what are you thankful for? Think about that for a minute. I'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. Man, what a great time of year. Beautiful weather and football is right around the corner. And if you're looking to add some excitement, make BetDSI your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. And new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. So why would you choose BetDSI? First of all, it's been paying winners for 20 years. It's a top-rated site, and you can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. It is a really friendly interface. It's got a very cool mobile site, and most important, it's got the fastest payouts in the industry. So BetDSI offers options for everything. You can bet on NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, and all other major sports, politics, reality, TV, esports, virtually everything. So try betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play, every minute until the end. And remember, new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. Again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code TAFFER101 to get this limited-time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Guys, it's only a game to you bet at BetDSI. So we've got a new technology that allows you to communicate directly with the show, and you can do that at anchor.fm slash john taffer no excuses I'm going to give it to you again because it's really cool to interact with the show using it. It's anchor.fm slash John-Taffer-No-Excuses. And if that's too complicated for you, which I know it is for some of you, <laughs> then you can just send the note to podcast at JohnTaffer.com. That's podcast at JohnTaffer.com. Either way, guys, make sure you reach out to me because I'd love to hear from you. This is No Excuses. So you know what else I'm thankful for? You guys. I'm thankful for all you listening. You know, we now have about three and a half million downloads. And my favorite part of this show is when you guys actually call, talk with me, send messages, and I can react to that. So do me a favor. Hit subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you'll get your new podcast every Thursday. Also, don't forget to leave a comment. And if you want to leave an audio message or even talk to me on the show, send an email to podcast at johntafford.com. That's podcast at johntafford.com right now, and you could be on the show. And I would be giving thanks to you. So what do we got this week, Corey? My question is, uh, when's the last time you've had a really good steak? My wife and I are headed out to New York soon, and uh, we wanted to see if uh, you had any recommendations on a good steakhouse. Because you know, I know you're from there. Anyways, thanks, John. You're great, and uh, we love your Taffer's mix. Thanks, buddy. Oh, boy, there's a lot of great steakhouses in New York. I'll tell you one that's, that's one of my favorites, and it, it's very historic. It has 10,000 pipes in the ceiling, and it's called Keens, K-E-A-N-S. And go to Keens Steakhouse. It's a great steakhouse. The environment is great. Menu is great. It's a great classic steakhouse. You'll have a good time there. That was an easy one. There's so many others in New York, though. So, so uh, look at the neighborhood that you're in and uh, always talk to people. 
Remember, very few people go to a great restaurant because they saw an ad in the newspaper. You go to a great restaurant because you heard it from somebody. And I'm telling you, Keen's is a great steakhouse. Hey, John, this is Martin from Iowa. Um, recently graduated from college a couple years ago and took a job at a local tech company as kind of their social media graphics uh, guy, to say the least. And um, I've just been trying to really figure out how to take the next step in my own career and move and, and try and get into a larger market. Uh, financially, I'm just not in a position to be able to kind of go out on my own and, and make the big jump. So I was curious if you had any advice or recommendations on what I could do to hopefully put myself in a better position to get a bigger and better opportunity somewhere. Well, you know, Martin, uh, sometimes opportunity is where you are too. Now, I know there's online services that you can apply for jobs and there's remote hiring and there's all these things, but there's nothing like sitting face-to-face -face with somebody. Here's another story. Years ago, I was the bartender at Barney's Beanery on Santa Monica Boulevard in Los Angeles. And I was a bartender. I was making, believe it or not, this is around 1980. Ready for this, Corey? Yeah. I was making about 700 bucks every weekend night cash <laughs> and about two to $300 every night. So I'm making myself about 2000 2200 a week tending bar at this place called Barney's Beanery in Highwood, California. Famous place. <clears throat> it was built in 1920 when L.A. was a bean field, hence Barney's Beanery. One day the manager comes up to me, the owner comes up to me. <clears throat> One day the owner comes up to me and says, hey, John, yes, you want to be assistant manager? Well, gee, I mean, that was a great opportunity for me to get ahead, be assistant manager. I said, what does it pay? Two twenty-five a week. So I'm going to take a pay cut of 2000 freaking dollars a week to become a manager, and I did it. Wow. And, you know, I could have said I can't afford it, and I couldn't. It was a huge pay cut, but I did it. I could have said, you know, this is easier. I don't have the responsibility. I don't have to come in, the, but I did it. And I suggest to you, Martin, in Iowa, maybe you need to go to a market that has a much greater critical mass of graphic design, website development, technology, and the kinds of things that you're doing. Because in a big pool, there's a lot of water <laughs> and a lot of room for a lot of people to swim. Maybe you need to swim in a bigger pool. So I offer that to you, Martin, and I suggest you read my book, Don't Bullshit Yourself. Cut the excuses that are holding you back. Because when you say you don't have the money to move, bullshit. You can get a bartending job. You can get a job sweeping floors. If you want to get to the city where the action is, make it freaking happen. There you go, buddy. You know, I think about Martin, who's, who, who's you know, in Iowa and, and feels that he, he, you know, he can't go any. You know, life isn't certain. Here's what is certain. If you don't act, you get shit. That's certain. If you take minimalist steps, you get minimalist results. That's almost certain. So the only way big things happen is when we do big things. You know, I moved 11 times in five years uh, when I was in a hotel business, getting a bigger hotel, a bigger hotel, a bigger hotel, learning more, growing more. You know, if I didn't agree to do those moves, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I did scary things. I took risks when I didn't have money. I traveled and left certain relationships behind, uh, 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 friends and, and social uh, communities that I had been in. I took the hit for my future, just like I did at Barney's to the tune of $2,000 a week back when that was a lot of money. So my point is, are you doing that? Or are you using excuses? Maybe you should buy my book, Don't Bullshit Yourself. But think about this. Bold acts get bold results. 
if you don't get a bold result, then you get a bold education, don't you, Corey? Yeah. And then the next bold step you take will be better informed. Every step benefits you. I've learned more from failure than I have success. If I didn't take those steps, I wouldn't have learned. Don't be scared to act. If you're scared to act, then you're reacting to fear. Then you really need to read my book because fear actually is bullshit. When you think about it, the things that we're all scared of or fear, other than standing on the edge of a cliff, millions of people have already done. Millions of people have done the things that we're scared to do, whether it's investing, moving, charting over again, having children, not having children. Millions of people have made these choices already. So in almost all cases, fear is bullshit. Scarcity, I don't have enough to do it, bullshit. Tell that one to Stephen Jobs, you know, who started in a garage with nothing. How about the person who says, you know, uh, 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 the environment isn't right? Bullshit. Tell that to the person who made millions of dollars during the recession a few years ago. The fact of the matter is bold action matters. And how can it matter to you? Why don't you think about that? I'll talk to you more next week. Take care, everybody. And don't forget, subscribe right now. Do it right now. Any place where you subscribe to your podcasts.